I got Zion. <laughs> I think he might be good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> what he does. And it's so weird how he gets back on. He, he reminds me. <laughs> Do you remember that SNL sketch where, oh, what's his name? It's the guy from the AT&T commercials. Um, oh, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name, though. Beck Bennett does a sketch where he's like a CEO baby. Oh, man. And occasionally he like gets up to walk around. That's what when <laughs> Zion's like getting back up the court. It always reminds me of like a little bit of a baby walk. Jeez. Oh, and then he just annihilates you. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We asked him to really just take a minute and a half time with our show yesterday just to record something very brief, and instead he decided to hog a little bit more of the show and give us four and a half's worth of a time or four and a half minutes worth of time. And so now we're I, I don't know why we decided to do this, but we just gave him a little bit larger platform today. Doug Branson. Follow him on Twitter at Doug Branson, LOH. He joins us on today's pod after we had tried to get him on the last couple of episodes. I guess we did try to, uh, I guess we did kind of figure we owe you one. Doug, how are you doing today? Oh, well, I appreciate you actually having me on in the first couple of minutes as opposed to yesterday when you stuck me in the basement. I mean, why don't you just chain me to the wall? Why don't you just hold on to me? I got Stockholm Syndrome from yesterday's episode where you put me all the way in the third segment. Come on. Now, hold on. No, no, no. Let's be fair now, Doug. You were the reason for people to keep listening because it damn sure wasn't going to be us. That's all. I just was going to be. <laughs> it was just asking be. for at least if you're going to stick me down in the basement. I mean, at least feed me. That's all I'm saying. No, um, no, I don't think I'm going to be doing that. You have to suffer down there. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornet. So Doug will be joining us for today's Miles, Bri- uh, Miles Bridges player evaluation. He expected that we might put him on the Malik Monk podcast because that's something that Nada and I might do. It's It would be... Uh, within our realm to do so. But we decided just to go with the spinning wheel of names. That's something that has dictated everything that we decide to do. It is the magic eight ball. Whatever it says, then we will go with its advice. And today we have Miles Bridges, somebody that's kind of polarizing, I think, within Hornet circles. Uh, Either people feel really good about him or they don't feel so great about him. Um, But I feel like he's kind of the guy that you know, if, if you were to talk about the rookies or the young players for the Hornets this season, I think he would be one that did not surpass your expectations this season. He did not take a step up for you to feel overwhelmingly good about him. I don't think the same can be said about PJ. I think the consensus is we all feel good about PJ. We all feel good about Devontae Graham. Given the expectations for the second rounders, I think we all feel good about what the Martin twins did and Jalen McDaniels. I don't think that can be said for Dwayne Bacon. I think he's the other young player to put in that same category. But would you guys agree with me that when it comes to the expectations that we might have had surrounding Miles Bridges coming into the year, I would say he did not live up to those for me or any kind of hope that I had. What would you guys say when I ask you that question? 
Well, kind of honest, but quite honestly, I think he was very like, I think he failed to live up to the expectations of the early part of the season. And then once everything started slowing down, PJ started getting established and then Brego figuring out that his best position might be the power forward. It kind of unlocked something for him. And then it became everything shut down. So I feel like if we were going to grade his season, it would probably be an incomplete because I don't know. We don't know. Like there's nothing I know about Miles Bridges to this point that I knew that I didn't know from the rookie season. And that's not necessarily a good thing. I love it. We're already getting into the grades. Is it safe to go back to school? I don't know. No, it's not. No, 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 no. This is virtual learning. We're doing this via Zoom. So I do think it's okay to give out grades if we're virtual learning. Okay. Well, let me just say this. I don't know that the expectations were all that high for Miles Bridges. I mean, I don't know if they've ever been like super skyrocket high. I mean, I know he was drafted, what, 12th? Overall, uh, now there there may be some things there if we look all the way back. You know, the trade, Shea Gilgis goes on. He's looking really good in Oklahoma City. So there might be some buyer's remorse, but I don't know that I don't know that fans really had like a giant expectation of a leap. It would have been nice to see one, but he got more usage this year. It went up to 18.8%, up from 13.6% in his in his rookie season, and his efficiency went down. And that's sort of to me a key indicator of, of whether a player is going to take a star leap is if you give them more run, if you give them more touches, if you give them more responsibility on the offensive or defensive end, do they respond to that opportunity with production? And, and I, say, I say definitively that Miles Bridges did not really on either end. It doesn't mean that his opportunities are over or that his chances are over by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but he just did it. He did not live up to the opportunity I don't know that he, I don't know that there were expectations to live up to, but he didn't live up to the opportunity. Well, I'll say that I think that there were some expectations and I think there were nationally some expectations that he just might win most improved player of the year award because Rob Perez worldwide Wob, as we've come to know him on Twitter actually had miles bridges as that guy. And that was not a completely unique take on miles. I think a lot of people saw the opportunity there for him because Kimball Walker left for the Boston Celtics and it was a rookie as a first round pick for the Hornets that was heading into a sophomore season. Who else was going to take a lot of the shots? Terry Rozier, came in and yeah, he was somebody that I expected of, I think to be a high scorer, but I do think that there was some expectations for miles bridges, at least from a national basis for him to actually compete for MIP. Whoa. And in reality, Terry was one that deserves that award over him. Devonte Graham mm-hmm. certainly is listed in that. And so even with us, Doug, like we, we kind of have a similar viewpoint on what miles is. I do think there are quite a bit of people out there that certainly had some big expectations for him. Well, I, here's the thing. I, I think that there could be national people that say, oh, well, this this player that is obviously a solid player, they could become the most improved player. They could be a star. They're taking flyers. I mean, they're looking amongst the the rough and looking for diamonds. And just because Miles Bridges didn't show himself to be a diamond doesn't mean that he's not meeting expectations because I think generally people viewed Miles Bridges as a player even coming out of Michigan State, that didn't have star potential, that he was a player that that had a pretty firm ceiling. And, and now I, I think fans are just hoping that Miles Bridges c- could be that player. But I don't think it means that he's not meeting expectations when I don't think that there was just this mass consensus 
uh, for him to to be a breakout player. He, he got votes like that. That means you fall short of expectations, though, right? Like if you don't have any where if you're not even close to the realm of getting anywhere near the MIP award, then that's like, man, this guy didn't improve nearly enough like I thought he would. But like, here's the, but the thing is with this Walker, like he might have been out of position this whole time. And I think that's the part where this gets kind of hinky because if we're honest with ourselves, if he's a more of a natural four and he plays better at the four than he does at the three and he may be more in a better position at the four, then what does that look like? And does he get that hype to be that MIP in this third year? Well, this, so even then, right? Like, so even with some of, I don't know whether you want to call them expectations or just predictions from people, you know, even then there was an interesting article that was released on the athletic when Rod Boone talked with Seth Partno, who uh, I believe we referenced this when we did our PJ Washington evaluation, we talked about PJ maybe playing small ball five and him really fitting at the four more so than even when, um, then even with Miles Bridges out there on the floor, like, where is he? Is he at the three? Is he at the four? That's kind of the positions that we've talked about him. And Seth discusses how he did have some hype. He did actually think Miles Bridges possessed some nice ability heading into the league, that he actually thought it was going to work. And he's not exactly convinced from what he's seen from him in the first couple of seasons. Doug, I know that because we are now a partner with Basketball Index, that you have some stats on Miles Bridges that you're able to look at knowing you were going to appear on the podcast today. What were some of the stats that you came across um, as we usually do reserve this segment for the numbers, but even though we've got off a little bit with the storylines, what kind of numbers do you have from basketball index on miles bridges? Yeah. Check them out. Bball dash index.com. They're a relatively new uh, statistical analysis site uh, for the NBA. And uh, they have these great player profiles on here. And I'm looking at, some highlighted stats among top strengths for Bridges. Uh, and one of them is post-up impact uh, over 75 uh, possessions. Uh, Walker, he was, a, he was a good post-up player. When they found that little wrinkle for Miles, getting him the ball in the post, uh, he was able to do a lot with that. His points per possession in post-up situations was over one, which put him in the 89th percentile among offensive players. That They graded him out an A- minus for post-up possessions. That's, that's really good. I mean, post-up generally not an efficient shot, but Miles made the most of it when they got him those opportunities. Yeah, that was the one thing that it seemed that seemed to click, right? Like there was that month from Miles Bridges. I forget when it was, but we had that month of basketball from him where he was actually ascending up on the roller coaster where it had not been a particularly good couple of months of basketball to start the season for Miles Bridges. It was all PJ and no love for Miles. And then we started to gear a little bit more towards what Miles was doing for the Hornets. And then it kind of fell off again. And then he wasn't shooting the ball extremely well. But those post-up numbers, even if we did not get a huge sample size from him posting up, I think we got enough to say, okay, this is someone that is pretty efficient when he gets the ball in the post, especially when smaller defenders were on him. And that kind of gets us to ask the question again, is it because he's playing the three, the smaller guy might be on Miles Bridges when you have P.J. Washington out there and even maybe a Cody Zeller. You know, what, what kind of defense allows for them to try to post up Miles? And we actually got some efficient basketball in that regard. Like, that was one of the bright spots. But I also know you have some numbers that aren't exactly bright spots for Miles Bridges from Basketball Index. Yeah, I mean, so where he excelled on offense was finishing at the rim, post play, and one-on-one play. I mean, he could take guys off the dribble, get to the rim, and finish really well from the small forward position this year. 
Um, but, but unfortunately a lot of his offense comes from just stationary shooting and he wasn't very good at knocking down three pointers. Even when he got good looks in the corner, uh, he was not knocking them down. Basketball index does this, uh, these player badges, uh, that, uh, uh, are similar to NBA 2k if anyone's ever played that game. And so they look <laughs> at the real world statistics and they assign badges for players. The only badge, uh, that miles bridges got was a bronze badge because they do gold, silver, bronze. They do a bronze badge here for him for corner specialist. Um, but his corner three numbers were not good enough to, uh, to overcome a, a general deficiency at being able to convert three-point shots, which I think hurt him significantly uh, offensively. Now, what do you make of some of the numbers that you heard from Doug, a part of Basketball Index? One, the fact that he's not as good from the corners was a surprise to me because that felt like the, the shot at least perimeter wise that I felt like he was the best. That was the one thing you could count on from him, but finding out that um, a lot of this just feels like he was punishing mismatches. And if you can find a way to get him to be that second or third option and punish mat matches, uh, mismatches and switches, I think you can unlock some more with him, but I think it shows you that there might be a limited ceiling for Miles Bridges, whether it's at the three or at the four, quite honestly. Yeah, going back to one of the original points made, Miles Bridges certainly got more opportunity. He almost doubled his field goal attempts per game. He played 30.7 minutes per game this season compared to just 21.2 in his rookie year. He went from shooting 46% from the field, 32.5% from three last year. And then this past season, he went down to 42.4% from the field. And he basically stayed the same at 33% from beyond the arc. If you were to round it up in his rookie year, that's exactly what he would have shot. And that was on almost two more three attempts uh, per game. The effective field goal percentage was obviously down. His two-point percentage was down from 55.3 to 48.6. You look at his numbers around the rim when it was less than five feet. So right at the rim, Miles Bridges was only shooting 55.5% from the field. Like these are not good numbers. When you get more opportunity, we know that even when he was around the basket, even if he is strong, like Miles Bridges has a bigger body and we know that he explodes out of the floor you should be finishing strong, right? Like those are numbers, if, especially if you can't shoot the three, if you can't shoot the three well enough to get above 33%, then your shooting numbers at the rim should be really damn good, especially if you're one of the stronger dudes, that's kind of a three, four hybrid, and you're in the dunk contest where a lot of people expect you to win because you're one of the most athletic dudes out of the ground then I want your field goal percentage to be better. And Doug, I know you have some bad defensive stats before we take a quick break as far as what teams wanted to do to him um, when they were attacking certain individual players on the Hornets roster. Uh, yeah, on defense, they have this uh, great stat uh, that incorporates a stat called QRAD um, that tries to answer the question, do teams hunt a particular player uh, on offense? Meaning, do they try to initiate switches or pick and roll situations in which they can get one-on-one -on -one, uh, against a particular player. Um, and uh, so this stat says that um, he is in the 19th percentile, meaning uh, that he was hunted a lot in those situations. The value is 0.16%, but that doesn't really mean all that much to anyone who doesn't know anything about QRAD. But just know this, that he's in the bottom of the, of the league in terms of players uh, that, uh, that other teams want to hunt. He's graded F. Um, alternatively, wow. if you look at a player like Giannis Antetokounmpo, again, versus their position, 
nobody hunts Giannis Antetokounmpo. Nobody's trying to force a switch to go one-on-one <laughs> versus Giannis. He's an A+. Right. Giannis is an A+. Plus. He's like, it's a negative percentile. Um, so teams are actually trying to avoid that with him, uh, whereas uh, they're not trying to do that with Miles Bridges. So teams know it. I mean, I think it's a good, it's a starting indication. It doesn't mean that you're a bad defensive player, but it does indicate that there is some trend for teams to look for you on defense. Teams are scouting and they are saying there is something there that I like. Let's attack that guy on the defensive end. And if a lot of teams are coming to that conclusion, it does not bode well for you. Yeah, I mean, his pa- his passing lane defense is rated D. His steals per 75 possessions, D minus, uh, 21st percentile deflections, 29%. And you can kind of give him some relief for that because he was guarding uh, uh, the best player, the best wing player offensively, um, really night in and night out a lot of times. And, and so he probably was a little bit more conservative trying to contain that player versus trying to jump into a passing lane and create offense via defense. Um, but, but honestly, like it, it, all the defensive stats point to one trend, which is that teams were looking for him and he wasn't doing very well when they did. Not a, before you put a bow on it for this segment, I also, you know, go back to this athletic article that was, uh, that had Seth Partnow in a conversation with Rod Boone and Partnow mentions that, uh, his defensive regularized adjusted plus minus one of his preferred stats for a quick examination of a player's defensive impact have been poor over his first two seasons. What did you make of Miles Bridges defense really the first two seasons, even last year with the uh, new increased opportunity that he did? Get? Quite honestly, I, I thought it was decent. And then like Partno says, you start looking at the numbers and it doesn't necessarily hold water. And one thing that Doug honestly brought up when he was co-hosting this is that Bridges would get lost a lot and give up easy buckets. And at certain points in time, you just can't be that guy. And for a guy that was compared by this coaching staff, by Borrego, to be Kawhi Leonard, to have Kawhi Leonard capability, quite honestly, it left a lot to be desired. So I, again, some of those numbers do surprise me at the same time with the benefit of hindsight They kind of don't right now. And I think that's kind of scary when we start evaluating a guy that may or may not be one of your future cornerstones. All right. Well, I do think that the stats would back up CBDMD. If it doesn't matter, it it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair, everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy to use roller or shareable squeeze tube and CBD recover combine CBD with inflammation fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the most support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBD MD has to offer. They're offering all of our listeners 25% off of your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com promo code NBA for 25% off of your purchase of superior CBD oil products, again, from CBDMD. More on Miles Bridges coming up after the break. This is Locked on Hornets. 
you give me a new adjective. God, you're just messing this up. I, I you know, I just, I spend this some time away from the show, and you're still the same old Walker. All right, yeah. Give me a new adjective and give me a plural well, noun. I, well, I, I've already thought of my plural noun. Now that you mentioned it, how about? Uh, well, I don't even know if this is plural. How about grape jelly? Does that work? Grape oh jelly is the noun I was going to get. Plural noun. This isn't hard. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. So we went through some of the numbers on Miles Bridges. We did dive into some of the storyline stuff with Miles. When you look at Miles, I think we kind of often compare him to PJ Washington because they were viewed as similar players when the Hornets decided to take PJ Washington in this past NBA draft. And we didn't like it. I was one of them raising my hand high because I thought that it was too similar of what was, I thought, maybe an average ceiling, maybe a guy that was never going to be all that great within a rotation that I thought was going to contend for any kind of playoff success. But I think I'm already wrong on PJ, and I feel like I was wrong immediately with PJ once we saw him in the preseason. Mm-hmm. The guy already played like he belonged. And even with Miles somewhat, I think at least for me, I won't speak for everyone, but at least for me, the expectation that I had for him in his rookie year, I actually do think he played better than what I thought he would. And then I was a little disappointed with what he did. I was pretty disappointed, to be honest with you, with what he did this past season. Um, What do we think about Miles Bridges' future, right? Like, we kind of evaluated what he did in the past couple of seasons. I know we're talking about the three, whether he's a three, a four, and moving PJ to a different position. But overall, like if I were to gauge your confidence, Nada, we'll go with you. What kind of confidence do you have in Miles Bridges being a useful to even good rotation player for a team like the Hornets, who at some point, at some point, have to be looking to contend in the postseason? Um, useful, define again. I guess the the. Well, you the, tell me what it means. Like, uh, j- you useful, tell me what a useful Miles Bridges would look like, or a good one. A useful. Miles Bridges might be best asset might be trade value if we're quite honest. Like I think he's a good guy to put in a package for something down the line for a contending team, because I think what miles was initially brought in for was to possibly contend. And I think PJ was built more for the future in terms of drafting. I kind of wonder if there is somewhat of a ceiling to maybe a Devin George ish ceiling to this guy. Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> Devin yeah. George. Okay. Interesting. Name. Like Devin George, uh, again, a Devin George type ceiling where he's a good guy, maybe even a John Salmons type where again, he's going to flirt with a all-star nomination every now and again, but he's not going to be that guy that you want to be like a cornerstone of a team per se. So maybe his best definition of useful is in a trade. And if that's the case, it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Okay, real quickly, Doug, I, we have to address the the NBA names that he just brought up. Like, mm-hmm. Nada, you brought up Devin George, and then mm-hmm. you went all the way to John Salmons for mm-hmm. a player that is flirting with some all-star consideration. Mm-hmm. And that probably happened in about, like, two or three years with John Salmons. I just want to know what was going through your brain for those two players to come up at the top of your dome. Devin George is one I thought I, I've said before. Salmons is one I just came up with off the top of the head. Like, Salmons is one of those that, like... <laughs> Because I know Salmon's like flirted with a couple of, um, literally, Salmon's flirted with at least an all star nomination every now and again. But again, he was mainly known for his contract. Okay, cool. Excellent stuff. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that I just wanted to bring up why you thought of those two players. Doug, what kind of uh, 40s NBA players do you think Miles Bridges mostly compares to? 
a Devin George ceiling is like on Alice in Wonderland when she was like walking down the corridor and the ceiling just kept getting lower and lower and lower until she was all on like hands and knees. God. That's the Dev- How did we walk through the Devin George door in this hallway? Goodness gracious. It got dark here on the Miles Bridges podcast. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't, I honestly don't know because I think the, and I think the Hornets are still trying to figure out what role miles could neatly fit into. But, I, but I think I, I'm pretty sold on miles bridges in some kind of bench capacity for an eventual playoff contending team, because I'm just not sure that he's good enough in, in particular areas on defense or offense, uh, to say that, that you could play him consistent minutes with the starting rotation. And he doesn't offer you uh, things like playmaking and um, I, I think better perimeter defense. You're getting certain things from P.J. Washington already that maybe you were looking for in a Miles Bridges. You're already getting that from P.J. Washington. So not only did P.J. Washington really move Miles Bridges into the, the small forward position, probably away from where he wants to be. I think Miles wants to be at the power forward position. So not only did PJ take his position, but he started showing uh, the fans and the team things that I think they were looking for out of Miles Bridges. And I, I'm not sure they're ever going to get. Well, and, and when we go to Miles at the four, you know, I think the, the appeal of him at the four is the fact that here's a guy with that kind of skill set that should be able to take other fours off of the dribble, right? Like if you have that guy playing the four, that's a little bit shorter then you would want him to shoot well from three, to stretch the floor a little bit, and then maybe even make some plays by putting the ball on the ground. And we've always talked about Miles Bridges just not having a good enough handle to really play the three, especially when he's coming out of college. And it's someone that shot 33% the last two years from beyond the arc. So this is the Frank Kaminsky at center uh, dilemma, right? So when Frank Kaminsky was at the center position, his offensive numbers would all of a sudden go up because he was able to catch, you know, at the, at the top of the three point line and then, you know, do a little head fake and, and get some of the cement footed centers off balance and finish at the rim. And we'd say, wow, man, Frank Kaminsky at the center position. And then moments later, he would just get destroyed defensively. And it's like, oh, I get it. That's why you can't play Frank Kaminsky at the center position. And I think there's a similar thing going on with with Miles in that, yes, offensively, he can exploit a lot of disadvantages from some power forwards in that scenario. But then defensively, you know, he doesn't have the size to really maintain any kind of defensive credibility at the power forward position. And so that's, I don't think that's a trade-off that, especially now, like the Hornets are terrible defensively because they don't really have any lockdown stars on this team defensively so that they couldn't afford to play him at power forward last season. And I don't think they'll be able to afford it later on either. I especially remember at the beginning of last season, the numbers were really bad as far as the overall team's net rating when he was on the floor. And it's not like there were other guys on the floor that just made their net rating so good. But I know that was one of the damning stats on Miles Bridges at the beginning of the season was the uh, was the net rating there. You know, Nada, when we talk about, I know you said that maybe trade value might be one of the best assets there. You know, does drafting another big guy, you know, does that force the Bridges or P.J.? Um, yeah, out of the it, roster it kinda or does. the bench. What, what it kind of it, it does because I'm not sure that, again, we're talking about this. We're not sure where Bridges' ideal position is. And when we start talking about a guy that might be better at the four than he is by at, than at the three by default, 
and you have a lot of really good wings, a Devin Vassell coming out, a Anthony Edwards, it's going to put, or even a big man, it's going to push Miles into a position where defensively you can't keep him out there and he might be better off the bench because as we've already highlighted, PJ does almost everything better at this point. Well, like an Obi Toppin makes, you know, like do they do they go after hey. one of those guys again, right? Like, what is it? Is it just one of those bodies that are kind no, of, but, you know, in that same realm? I, I just wonder, you know, it, with Mitch Kupchak discussing that he doesn't care what position you play because of the talent that you have, like that the talent that you have is most important. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do in the NBA draft. And, and let me just say this: I think what I envision a world where Miles Bridges is a contributing starter for a contending Charlotte Hornets team. It's a Miles Bridges that has totally committed himself to be a disruptive defender and also one that has completely committed himself to be a disruptive rebounder. He's shown promise as an offensive rebounder and somebody that can dust it up when he's committed, almost in a Mitchell Robinson without all of the physical tools kind of thing going on like that to me is where, and then he'll, he'll hit an occasional corner three as well. Like to me, that's where miles bridges fits into this equation, but it's going to require him to recommit to certain areas that we didn't see him excel in, especially on the defensive end this past season. All right, let's uh, now support my bookie as they are supporting us. We are appreciative of baseball being back, and we are appreciative of my bookie actually being a part of the equation again. And the NBA is starting, and it looks like the NBA is here to stay. If you want to bet on baseball, make sure you get your bets in extremely soon because it might not be here much longer for us. And if you are uh, wanting to bet on basketball, maybe you have a little bit more time. But why waste any time when you can go to my bookie, who has up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams and with the start of Major League Baseball? baseball and the NBA, there's never been a better time to start playing. With my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Feeling good about your team's chances this year? You can be sure to check out my bookie's World Series future bets, the NBA Finals, as the playoffs are going to continue here pretty soon. We're going to get the play-in tournament, and then the postseason is going to start. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. But why stop with baseball or basketball if we're going to get some other sports here as well? We do have hockey, NASCAR still going on, smart bettors are all always looking towards the future. And in this case, that means all of your sports you can bet on. MyBookie is already accepting bets on every single one of them. Join today and MyBookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. We'll put a wrap on this edition of Locked on Hornets in the next segment. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm not a big fan of grape jelly. I kind of, I'm a little insulted that you referred to me as grape jelly. I'm not a fan of grape anything. Now, I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavoring. I think it goes back to the Robitussin that I had as a kid, and I just don't like grape flavoring. Anyway, great to be back. Great to be back on the show. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. One thing I wanted to make sure to bring up, but I wasn't exactly sure, but then when I kind of magnified Doug's video, I realized that he no longer has long hair. It's all gone. You chopped it off. What in the hell happened to your hair, Doug? Enhance. That's what they always say on the TV shows when they're looking at a picture, a security footage, and they want to... They're like, enhance it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, we we enhanced it. Doug, I don't care about that. I want to know how in the world... He's he's stalling! 
Yeah, yeah why, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying like it's it's like technically impossible. It's always it's always silly. Like it's technically impossible. The resolution is just going to get worse. You're not going to be able to like. And they're like clear up the resolution, and the guys go. Why you can see the suddenly you can see the guy's face, and it's like that's not how anything works. Why did you cut your hair? It had been so. Let, let's go all the way back. Your your hair had been growing probably for what we're talking about like two years, right? Like we were probably at maximum length uh, for two years, and then you decided to cut it. With I guess in the last I don't know couple of weeks or so, tell us about that process because this is I mean it it looks very different when you allow it to grow that long and then you cut it it does look very different. Well, listen, when the NBA decided to delete eight teams, including the Charlotte Hornets, I decided oh, it was time to delete some of my hair. That if the NBA could make that decision so wantonly, then so could I. You know, that makes a lot of sense, Doug. I can't even I can't even argue that. And again, here I thought you were going to yell at us for being traitors about not voting for Devontae Graham for most in locked on uh, NBA awards for uh, most improved player. I mean, I, I can always do that. I mean, I was the only one that did. I was the only one that voted in the poll for Devontae Graham. The sole uh, vote came from me. Okay, you are the uh, the people's locked on Hornets co-host. Thank you for that useless um, analysis on why you decided to cut your hair. Now let's go to more useless content for you and your forties nicknames that you have that you're rubbing your hands for because you are so excited in a Mister Burns type of way, excited to give us the forties nicknames. Hey, let's excellent. go ahead and hear those. Yeah, so I've got a I've got a little bit of a theme this week. I've got three names for you, and two of them share some very uh, famous names in the NBA. Uh, first, we'll start with a name that uh, people have been rehearing about because all of a sudden he's a member of the NBA bubble. I'm of course talking about Joe Keem Noah. All of a sudden, in wow. the game again. Uh, so I have another Joe Keem here. It's not Joe Keem Noah. It's actually Charles Pappy Joe Keem. <laughs> uh, part of the part of the night he played uh, for the NBL for two seasons and part of the 1947-1948 Flint Dow ACs. So he was a powerhouse player. So what can you repeat that name one more time for me, please? That is Charles Pappy Joe King. It Pappy instantly reminds me of two father-like nicknames with Pops Mintsabansu. As well as, was there a pop? There's a pop C out there in the world, right? Like a P A P E S Y. I believe that player exists with us. So, with the patriarch type names, uh, I didn't realize there was also one included all the way back in the 1940s. Now, Pappy's rookie year for the Youngstown Bears was actually a lot better. He was a double digit score along with Milton Tico, Bernard Mahan, and of course, the great Paul Herman. Youngstown hmm. Bears. That sounds more like a 40s name. I'm the baby pappy. All right, Doug, let's hear some. Jeez. <laughs> oh, okay, listen, everybody goes on and on about the greatness of Pete Maravich. We all know Pistol Pete, but what about Pistol Pete's papa? How about Press Maravich, oh. the father? Press. Of, that's right. Press Maravich is the father of Pete Maravich from Logstown, Pennsylvania. Played one season for the Pittsburgh Ironmen. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but he was actually drafted by the Baltimore Bullets, but then quickly sent in a dispersal draft to the BAA Western Division, Pittsburgh Ironmen, coached by my man, Pauly Birch. Well, okay, let's... Okay. We, I think most people... I don't know. Most people is is not correct. No, but, you're, that, most people's doing a lot of work there, Walker. 
Tress Maravich coached at NC State. And the other reason you might know about his dad, uh, we all remember the basketball movie, right? Like the pistol, the when we get to see him in his childhood, it's really rough for him to adjust to the varsity basketball team because he's basically a baby out there. But once he decide, once he actually, actually gets everybody incorporated and they realize, oh, wait, no, this is Pete Maravich who is out here just balling as maybe even an eighth grader. Was he an eighth grader that was on that varsity team? Anyway, great basketball movie, something that I don't feel like people uh, actually bring up anymore. It's a great one. Now, the 46-47 Pittsburgh Ironmen also sported a couple of brothers, I think. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. confirm this, but it would be pretty exceptional if they had two people named Jorgensen who were not brothers. I'm, of course, talking about Noble Jorgensen out of Iowa and Roger Jorgensen out of Ohio State. By the way, Press Maravich went to Davis and Elkins College. I want to go back to Press Maravich a little bit more because I want to know <laughs> What else, what other basketball terms would actually make for a good name? If we actually got press and you can decide for yourself whether press is actually a good first name, what else is there that could be deemed a good first name? Because that's the only one that I can even come up with. Right? SWAT. SWAT. <laughs> SWAT Edwards. That would be all right. You can that would your, be all right. Yeah. You can name your kid SWAT. If oh, you want oh no, 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 uh, no. Yeah, I guess you can go block. Uh, dribble doesn't sound like a very good name. I no. don't have Shooter. Yeah, Shooter's a great one. Shooter no, is a good no, name. No, no, hold on. No, no. Let, we got to stop that right there. Shooter sounds like an entitled guy at a, a, a country club. No, thank you. Well, you're thinking of Shooter McGavin, and I would agree, but it, we, need a, we need a good shooter out there. We need somebody else that can combat the negative persona, the negative connotation that does surround that name because of the way that Shooter McGavin brought it to us in Happy Gilmore. How about Urgell? Uh, as in Urgell Wintermute, the 403rd best player in the 1940s, according to AinsworthSports.com, Urgell Wintermute. Does this list include comparisons to players in today's game? Do you have that at your disposal or is that something different where we go to basketball reference and that's kind of something they bring? Well, I'm on basketball reference, but I mean, when they only play in one season and 51 games for the NBL, I'm not (laughs) sure that a player comparison would be very helpful, but can I get to my final player? Sure. Yes. I'm sorry for keeping you uh, from getting there. So this is not thematic in any way. I've got no player to associate this one, but it was just a great name. And that is Charles Chukovitz. That's right, folks. We're talking about (laughs) the amazing, the outstanding, the uh, lovely Chuck, Chucky Chukovitz, who played for the, and I kid you not, the 1941-1942 Toledo Jim White Chevrolets. They named basketball teams like NASCAR really? team. <laughs> yes. Really? Wow. He was thinking of sponsors after every game. And, and let <laughs> oh, me geez. tell you, Chukovitz was a baller. He averaged 18 and a half points for the Jim White Chevrolets. And there was a nobody that averaged over six points on his team. He had a, he was like the LeBron James uh, first run with the Cavaliers with the Jim White Chevrolets. He had George Nelmark, 5.3 points per game, Wilton Putnam, Bill Thompson, Willard Peterson, and Howard Cable. Those were your top scorers, and they were not scoring a lot. I want to know what happened to Chukovitz. If this guy was getting buckets like that, his name should be a little bit more well-known. They don't even have a birth or death day for this. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the team. (laughs) Uh, Chukovitz 
born July 10th, 1912, died August 12th, 1991. RIP. RIP, Mr. Chukovitz. That wraps up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Thanks again to my bookie for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA. We need to do the spinning wheel of names. That's something that I always forget to do. Yes, you do. And we need to go. We, actually, we don't. We're not doing right the spin. Now. No, we're not doing the spinning wheel of names. Remember, oh, we have right. a guest tomorrow. We do have John Fokey. I still want to give the people a name to expect after John Fokey that we're supposed to have on tomorrow, uh, a Wednesday episode. So let me get rid of Miles Bridges out of the wheel. I'm now spinning the wheel. We have six more names left to go. It'll be Malik Monk. We'll be Watch it. Next, it's going to be. Now here's the thing. The name is Cody Martin. And I don't want to do an episode with Cody and Caleb both included. I would rather just go with Cody because I think he was good enough last season to where he gets his own episode. I don't want to do this thing where we make the twins one person instead of distinguish them into two different people. Cody Martin actually played the whole season with the Hornets. I don't want to link the two twins up together. What would your guys... Uh, wait, 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 hold on. Why are we doing something that the Hornets do? Why are we, again, why are we going against the grain here? Why? Uh, Chucky Chukovitz also played for the Hammond Caesar (laughs) All-Americans in 1939. So he was a 30s player as well. All right. Listen to Lockdown NBA. I'm going to tell you again. We're going to do Cody Martin individually. We're not going to link the two twins together. I don't want to do that. I think Cody Martin deserves a episode all by himself. Thanks again to Doug for joining us on today's podcast. Have a great day. We'll be with you tomorrow along with John Cody.